Good morning. These songs were just perfect for the psalm that we're going to look at this morning. And it is my prayer that God will have a word for each and every one of us. Those of you here and, and those of you who are viewing through the internet, it's good to be together and to gather to worship the Lord and hear from him. Before the sun was up, I was up early Monday morning, and during that quiet time, I bumped into a quote from a book by Dane Ortland, Gentle and Lowly. This is what I read. It is one thing to know the doctrines of the Incarnation and the Atonement and a hundred other vital doctrines. It is another, more searching matter to know God's heart for you. That struck me very deeply. To know about God, to wow people with facts and information, is of a certain worth. But as Dane Ortland says, the more searching matter is to know God's heart for you. I could certainly tell you a great deal about Shelley. Shelley and I are approaching 47 years of marriage. No one knows Shelley better than me on earth. So I would be the perfect person to write a biography or a tell-all book. <laughs> I'm sure that would be a bestseller. But that really means nothing if I don't know Shelley's heart for me. That puts it on an entirely different frequency to know someone's heart for you. It empowers us. When we think of God's heart for us, and when we can calculate that, or quantify that, or understand that, it is faith at work. And it adjusts the disposition of our life, of our heart, of our outlook to God's heart. Do you know God's heart for you this morning? I can't imagine a better question to ponder at this point in time in our lives. A time when all people are experiencing Anime. Anime may be a word that's unfamiliar to you. I'll spell it for you. A-N-O-M-I-E. Anime. Anime describes the loss of what's normal. 
enemy describes our disorientation when we can't find or recover what's normal, what's familiar, what's acceptable, what we took for granted. Sociologists have discussed the phenomenon phenomenon of anime for a century. And as one would expect, all kinds of things occur in a state or a condition of anime. Rebellion, as well as retreat. Innovation, reactionary, attraction, to rigid conformity and even ritualism. We can detect some of these things and extensions of those kinds of things or things that are similar to them and like them. It's just a, you know, a thumbnail sketch of a very involved subject. But we can detect it all around us. In fact, if we ponder it or do a little more research into it, we might be able to detect it in ourselves. We want normalcy back. That's normal. But I don't want to talk about enemy, and I don't want to talk about normalcy this morning. Because the psalm that we're looking at today addresses normalcy. Anime, however, spotlights the importance of our question, do you know God's heart for you? It's an important question at any time when things are normal and when things are not. And it's crucial now in a world turned upside down. Others make the crucial question, will we fight for a return to normalcy? Our psalm makes it this question. Do you know God's heart for you? That's not only the crucial question behind Psalm 127, but it is the crucial question behind the Bible itself to know God's heart for us. The tone of this question is decisive. It's a matter of the head and the heart. If the heart's not in it, it's just knowledge. We've had enough of that. Knowledge will not suffice. It concerns our attitude. The question concerns our attitude because our attitude and our awareness of God's heart for us 
is the frequency of being attuned to the Lord. As we will see in Psalm 127, pilgrims are called to reflect on their lives. We are called to reflect on our lives. We could give it a quick reading. We could read it in monotone. We could read it without feeling. We could read it just with our eyes and not our ears or our heart. But this psalm, Psalm 127, is asking us to take a good look at our lives. It's asking us to question what our lives are all about, what we're doing with our lives, how our lives matter, and what we do with it, and how it matters. Why do we do what we do, asks the psalmist. Why do we build? Why do we guard? Why do we rise early and go late to bed? Is it just for daily bread? Just for normalcy? The psalm challenges us to do what we do for the love of God because Because the psalm speaks to us about God's heart for us. Because God loves us. And that changes everything. That makes everything matter. And all the things that we do without God not matter. The psalm challenges us. And that's why this psalm matters. That's why this question matters. This question which lies behind the Bible and lies behind this psalm. Because it's fundamental to the meaning of our lives. And for our lives to count, ah, that's, that's the heart of happiness. That's the heart of contentment. That's the heart of peace. That's the heart of joy. It's in that soil that faith just doesn't exist. Faith thrives. Faith grows. Faith bears fruit. We're not just churchgoers. We're not just Christians. We're people alive in the love of God. And when people see that alive, people say, that's real. They say, that's real. When I want to hang on to something that really matters and something that really counts, that's real. They may watch you for a while. They may test whether it's true. That's why this isn't a one and done. This is why it isn't a test. And once you test out, you get a star or an A or a trophy and it's over and you move on to something else. No, this is a practice of life. This is something that isn't done once. It's done like the breath we breathe again and again and again and again because Jesus Christ has revealed to us, even as the Bible reveals to us, but in a most personal way, he has revealed to us the heart of God. And God 
as this psalm will show us, is a source of life and all of its blessings. Whatever we do, do it for the love of God. For love makes it matter. Not just knowledge. Love. Love is thin and meaningless if love isn't about caring. Mutual love is mutual caring. That's the highest form of love. It's not dismissive. It's attentive. It honors. It cares. It reveals the heart we have for the one we love. Let's read Psalm 127. A song of ascents, as, as in ascending. And this, this is significant to me. This Psalm and Psalm 128 are kind of at the midway point of the Psalms of Ascent. There are 15 Psalms being sung by pilgrims as they make a pilgrimage to Jerusalem to the Lord. Once when Shelley and I departed upon a plane across the Pacific Ocean, there was a plane problem and we were told by the pilot of the plane that the, that the pilot was in communication with the tower. I guess those who know. But by regulation, we had to solve this problem by the halfway point. Because if we couldn't solve it by the halfway point, we had to turn around. Even if to turn around was in effect to say we could have made it all the way. <laughs> but there's turning points in life where you have to decide, am I going to go on with this or just turn around? Our relationship with God brings us to those turning points a lot. You know, deeper levels of commitment and devotion. Maybe that halfway point or that fork in the road, that crossroads where we say, is this for real? What have I got to replace it? Or as Paul said in Colossians 2.6, as you received him, so live in him. And so you know, we, we take a visit back to that moment, that time, the circumstances, the situation. And we say, he alone is Lord. It's a hunch. I'm making the case. I think Psalm 127 and 28 say and do things at the halfway point in the Psalms. Are we going to continue? Are we going to go forward? Let's make this decision. That's what this is calling us to, as we'll see. And this psalm concerns Solomon. Or it's with regard to Solomon. 
we'll have a moment to say something about that as well. In fact, unless the, unless the Lord builds the house, well, that is an allusion to Solomon as well because Solomon was vested with the responsibility of building the temple of God. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. Behold, look at this, is what that means. Look at this. Notice this. I want you to hear this now. Children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb, a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame. Then he speaks with his enemies when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. What does it matter unless the Lord, where the Lord is? And if the Lord is in what we do. Look again at the end of verse 2. How empty and pointless it, it is to do all we do only to eat the bread of anxious toil. For he gives his beloved sleep. Who is he? The Lord. The Lord that was mentioned in verse 1. In other words, unless the Lord means if the Lord is not a part of your thinking, your outlook, not a part of your day, and not just a part of the day, but your day. If the Lord is not a part, it's in vain. And in effect, it's like holding your breath or unplugging something that you're trying to use. Life is meaningful when you know God's heart. And to know God's heart, especially in this psalm, is captured in those words. He gives sleep to his beloved. Sleep against all the harried activity, all the efforts of building and guarding. The rising early the going to, to bed late. This is an emphasis on where God is in our activities and efforts. This psalm falls into two parts. The opening part says, unless the Lord. The closing part says, behold the Lord. That's really telling. 
unless the Lord and behold the Lord. It's not the word God. God would certainly be important, but Lord is even more important. The word Lord, especially when it's written in caps, all caps, it stands in English for a Hebrew word. We call it the personal name of God, the name that God revealed to Moses when he wanted Moses to return to Egypt and go about the impossible task of delivering the people of God. And he said to Moses, tell them I am has sent you. And then he turned his name into the third person. Tell them he will be has sent you. That's the personal name of God. He will be. And then when God delivered them and brought them through, even parting the waters, even as we sang, you know, made the waters a road. On the other side, after being delivered, they sang a song. And they sang out, he will be. He will be. It's not answered because we answer it when we see God at work in our lives. You and I can complete the sentence. They sang a song that completed the sentence. He is our Savior. He is our song. He is our warrior. The whole Bible is a completion of that sentence. Who God is in our lives. And that word, he will be, or Yahweh. Yahweh. A most sacred and holy name. The Jews will not say it. That's why we have it in our text with the word in English, Lord. The Jews always, when they come to it, when they're reading, they read Adonai, the Lord. And that's where we get the practice. It's the personal name of God, to be sure. It's different than saying God. People can talk about God all day long. And they can mean many different things. But when you're talking about Adonai, when you're talking about the Lord, there's a sense of possession there that he has over us. There's a sense of his lordship that is relevant, that we acknowledge and recognize. In fact, we worship it, which is why we're here this morning. The psalm pictures people who know about the Lord in the first part. People who know him but ignore him. They're caught up in the building. They're caught up in the guarding. But the Lord is not included. We can have head knowledge without knowing the Lord's heart. Knowing the Lord's heart for us alters the way we build and guard It alters the way we toil and try to control the world that concerns us. Notice the psalm speaks to me and it speaks to you. It actually says you. It says it is in vain for you.
That's the Lord speaking to you. It is in vain for you. What does vain mean? It doesn't mean conceited like I thought it did in high school. It means it doesn't matter. It means it's pointless. It means it comes to nothing. It is meaningless for you. It is pointless for you to do what you do only to eat the bread of anxious toil. Why? Because only the Lord can give you the things you really need. That's represented in the metaphor sleep. In fact, it is anxious toil that so often interrupts and prevents sleep. You know, sleep is a beautiful metaphor. Do you realize that the Hebrew day begins at sunset? The Hebrew day begins at sunset. Sleep comes to his beloved because we know his heart. And when we wake up, our day is half over. If we look at it as the Hebrews do and as the psalmist did, our day is half over. But the Lord has been up the whole time. And we join him in his work. He works while we sleep. And we can sleep because we believe our God is the only God and our God is our Lord. When we wake, he invites us to join him in his work. And the Lord knows best. You know, it says concerning Solomon. Some translations render it of Solomon. I think it's more about Solomon. Do you know what Solomon is renowned for? Wisdom. Do you know when he got his wisdom? In the middle of the night. In a dream, God spoke to Solomon. And out of that conversation, in his sleep, in the middle of the night, God granted Solomon the wisdom that he asked for to justly and properly guide, govern, and rule God's people. As I said, Lord occurs in the first part and in the second part, which begins in verse 3. Behold the Lord, which is to say, this draws our question, um, draws attention to our question, do you know God's heart? Because this is underscoring verses 1 and 2. I know it's in really different language than we're familiar to, and I think a lot of times we start thinking about this is a map or this is a blueprint for the importance of family. But if you read it carefully, you'll realize, yes, everyone knows family is important. Some of these things were very well true to anybody in antiquity. To be without children was to die without a legacy. To have no one to take care of you when you were sick or as you aged. I won't elaborate, 
But children were everything. They knew that. So why is this so important? Because God gives it. Just as he gives sleep, God supplies what we need. God gives us what we cannot provide ourselves with hard work, with all kinds of extended effort in building, with guarding the city, with rising earlier and earlier and going to bed later and later. All it does is bring us bread, normalcy, at the cost of anxious toil and meaninglessness. That's what he's saying. Behold the Lord. He gives it all. Everything that's really important in life. Without him, it's vain. Do it for the love of God. Do it for the love of the Lord. Love makes it matter. You'll understand this more as you do it. It's cumulative. Please understand that. This really matters. I'm talking about something that if you were to listen and practice and work at it, you'll stumble, you'll fail, but you'd get up and start again. If you were to take some risks in your life, risks of faith, break out of your comfort zone, step out in faith, and love, do it for the love of God. Love is what makes it matter. It would change your life. And the more you do it, the more you will be shaped and formed into the image of Jesus Christ, into the heart of God. You'll know more about God. You'll care more about God. He won't, he won't be just a means to an end or a quick fix. I don't mean to insult anybody but say, by saying that. It comes to mind because I've done that. But if we become cumulative in doing the little things out of love, God will bless Brother Lawrence, who entered, it was uh, over 300 years ago, entered a monastery. He began practicing the presence of God. And he wrote in his book that has survived and been published and called Practicing the Presence of God by Brother Lawrence. He said, do little things for the love of God. For God regards not the greatness of the work, but the love with which it is performed. You believe that, don't you? Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and all this will be added unto you. That's doing the little things for the love of God. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 13 and in the first three verses, Above all, it doesn't matter without love. In fact, he went on to say, love never fails. Wow, you could pay high dollars for that kind of advice if somebody, you know, 
made you pay for it and go to some kind of a special venue to get it. Love never fails if you believe that. It makes a difference in our lives. Paul said, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Galatians 5, 6. Do it for the love of God. Love makes it matter. May the Lord bless you. He will give you the desires of your heart as you align yours with his great desire for you. God bless you. take this opportunity to pray for us. Gracious Heavenly Father, thank you for your great love. Thank you for your Son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for the outpouring of your Holy Spirit, making us your children, never leaving nor forsaking, always urging us, encouraging us, bringing us blessing and your goodness of which we've sung this morning. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.